Which is pretty amazing because Jesus, when he said that, would have known what the Jewish people knew, which was that this temple that he was talking about, like he's talking about something that is physically impossible to rebuild it in three days. And as impossible as it was, he was actually talking about something even more impossible, which was being dead and then being not. <laughs> not dead anymore. Is defeating death, is it not dying or is it resurrection? But he knew this because the Jews were thinking, well, I know how the temple was built. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there, but for your uh, convenience, I have put it on the screen for you. You're welcome in advance. The stones that were used to build this temple were very specific. Now you look around the room and you see these cement blocks. This is what a school is made of. But these stones that were used to build the temple that Jesus was standing near that the Jews thought he was talking about were ginormous. 60 feet in length, 45 feet in length, I'm sorry, 10 feet wide, 12 feet high. They weighed in excess of 600 tons. Fascinatingly huge. To the point to this day, there's all kinds of speculation on how do they move them here? How do they get here? And the answer is that nobody knows. There's all kinds of speculation. But the Jewish people are like, hey, we don't know how they did it either. How is it possible you could rebuild that in three days? Because they knew something. They knew that they would have had to have gone to Solomon's quarry, which you can still tour to this day, caves that go underneath the streets of Jerusalem. And it was there that they would hew these stones out. They were told that they were to, and this is very important, if you're gonna take a nap, do that in a minute, I want, I want you to hear this part. And these chairs are not very comfortable, so you won't be able to sleep long anyway. <laughs> Although some of you, I know I'm not very exciting, you can really, I can get you to sleep even in this, but be that as it may, <laughs> in this quarry, under these streets, they were to, specifically were told, hew them out, hammer away, chisel at them, and then we'll move them to the temple site. There was to be no sounds of hammers and chisels pounding away at the temple site. That was a place of peace and contemplation and worship. And so they would go to Solomon's quarry and they built Stones that were, actually you can still see to this day, those stones that are about 20 feet in the air are part of what is, what is known today as the Wailing Wall. It was part of a retaining wall for the temple, the original temple. Those stones, by the way, are, are baby stones, 20 feet in the air, they weigh 80 tons. Again, nobody knows how they got them there. And Jesus was saying, I'm gonna do something even more impossible than rebuilding that temple. What's fascinating to me, and this is why I wanted you to tune into this. Think with me on this. Go to this quarry. Cut these rocks out here. Don't do any hammering, no chiseling here. And you're going to carry them from a place called Golgotha. That's where the start of Solomon's quarry is underground. The hill we would know as Calvary, the, the hill of the skull, that those modern day things that looks like a skull, that's why it's called the skull, it actually wasn't natural, that was man-made as they were hewing out the stones. And on a mountain where there would be later on some hammering, if you know what I'm saying, and chiseling, 
pounding away at his flesh. The stones started there and they were carried to a temple where there was to be no sounds and no suffering and no chiseling away. They did it in such a way that the stones were perfect. It's a modern marvel. You can't even get a knife blade in between the stones because they were carved so perfectly that they fit with no air in between. Nobody knows how they did it. And Jesus would say, you can destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it again in three days. A bigger miracle than this would be that Jesus himself would say that I am the temple. I'm gonna, he's laying claim to I'm the temple. Which would make sense then why in 1 Corinthians 3.16, we hear him say that you are the temple. It makes sense because I've, I've, I've said it the last couple weeks and I'm not willing to die on this theological hill, but I have become convinced that me being the temple doesn't mean I'm, we're all little mini temples. We are all, when we come together, we are the temple. My stone, my living stone carved and chipped away at comes together with yours and we together become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus would say that you are that he is the temple, Paul would say, you are the temple. And I think that we've talked about for a couple of weeks, what is it, the purpose of a temple? But the real question is, well, is the purpose itself found in the ingredients? Does, does my individual purpose and your individual purpose come together to then create the temple of the Holy Spirit? I believe the answer is yes. First Peter would say that you are living stones. I'm a living stone, and together we come together, we create this habitation, this house for the Lord. And here's what I wanted to hit on this morning, and just stir a little bit. The problem with living stones is we move around a lot. And we bump into each other. And we offend each other, and we tick each other off, and we do things that make each other angry, and and we allow quarreling to do the work that the quarry was meant to do. I believe that's why earlier in 1 Corinthians 3, when Paul would talk about what it means to be spiritually mature, that when he talks about being immature, the very thing that he identifies that means that you're not being a mature Christian is quarreling and bickering. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first few verses. There's strife among you. One of you says you follow Apollo. One of you says you follow Paul. And boy, isn't that the case today. One of you is a Reformed guy. One of you is a Baptist guy. Somebody is a Calvinist. Somebody is an Arminian. And next thing you know, we're in this theological peeing match to see who can be the better theologian among us based upon what if, well, what about this verse? And what about that verse? And, and we're so busy. Fighting. And I'm speaking generally. I'm not everybody in this room. I'm just, it's a body of Christ we begin to be quarreling among each other and then the quarry doesn't get to do its work. Now don't get me wrong. There are opportunities for us to be hammered on and chipped away at that the Lord will use from people that are pounding away at us. And it's going to happen. It is happening. It's only gonna get worse. 
that as I am in the quarry, part of what the Lord is allowing, it's why we don't have to get mad when they bash us on MSNBC or ABC or CNN. Like I can calm down and just say, no, that's just the work of the hammering and the chiseling and the Lord allowing that work to be done in my life to make me more perfect. And to be careful that if, because you might say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm just fine with this idea of being the temple of the Holy Spirit because I feel like my job is to be the ax, <laughs> to be the pickaxe, to be chipping away. It's my job to be the theology police, my job to be the guy that's in charge of making sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Be very, very careful if you feel like that is your spiritual calling. You see, there's a guy named Shimei. And Shimei, as King David was, being, was leaving town because his son had launched a rebellion, and Absalom. And as David was leaving town, a guy named Shimei was out in the streets calling out and mocking him and identifying his sin. And here's the thing, Shimei was right. David was a sinner, he did some bad stuff. And Shimei was calling him out. And David's servants who went with him, his men were like, I'm just gonna, let me lop this guy's head off. It's one swing, we're done. And David said something really fascinating. He said, no, 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 don't, don't cut his head off because the Lord is using him right now. He's using him in my life for humility and for causing me to realize I'm not all I think I am. And, and if the Lord can use that for me, then just let him go, let him have his day. Oftentimes in the Old Testament especially, you see examples of God using a nation, the Babylonians, to, to bring judgment. But then, he said, but because of that Babylon, you're going down too. Is God unjust? No, he's just saying, this is what's already happening, and I'm going to, instead of wasting it, instead of wasting when someone is mocking you, when someone is calling you names like it was with David, I'm not going to let that go to waste. I'm going to let it do something, a good work in David, and then I'll figure it out later. And at the end of David's life, interestingly enough, uh, he makes sure this is taken care of and Solomon's got the money for the temple. Oh, and by the way, find Shimei and make sure he's dealt with. Be careful to try to be the ax in God's hand with each other. They aren't gonna know us because we're so good at picking away at each other. They're gonna know you because of your love. requires some faith sometimes, some trust. I was having a conversation this week with a, with a friend here, and we're talking about these groups that were unfolding, and it was a little bit of a, he made a really good point. He's like, you know, the problem with these groups is what if I'm in a group that I, somebody I don't like? And I'm thinking, that's a good point. <laughs> now, practically speaking, I'm thinking, well, it's only six weeks. You know, you're probably gonna make it half of those times, and, you know, so can you handle three meetings with somebody you don't like? I don't know, maybe. But as I thought about it and chewed on it this week and thought, you know, I wonder if the point is more that that's part of what it means to come together as the body of Christ. That right now on this side of heaven, man, I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. And there's gonna be gaps in our temple. There's gonna be a place where it didn't all fit together right. But on this side of heaven in Solomon's quarry, if you will, allowing that to be what it is and to nothing else realized 
if I can just manage my expectation and realize, oh, that's what God said was going to happen anyway. So I don't have to panic. I don't have to freak out. I don't have to avoid anybody. I don't have to isolate. That's just what he said was going to happen. But someday, on the other side of heaven, as those stones which are pounded and chipped away on this side of heaven allow the quarry to do the work, not quarreling, that someday our stone, the Talmud tells us, one at a time, they carried those stones, they put them into place, they sanctified them, and then as they were there, there was no more hammering, there was no more chiseling, there was no, and it just fit together perfectly. If we allow the quarry this side and not get in our hand the own, our own axe, that's why, I mean, it sounds pretty intense what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, but don't destroy the temple. You're in dangerous ground when you destroy the temple. He wasn't talking about individuals, he's talking about the unity of the body of Christ. Don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that this is a building that God is building? I've thought about that with us. Because there's lots of opportunities for us to get upset with each other. We're in a group together. And sometimes it's it's legitimate, it's a reason. But can I maybe have the faith to say, no, I'm going to let the Lord take care of this one. I'm not going to raise my pickaxe back <laughs> and start to attack your stone. And, and here's what I'm driving at. Maybe the important part was is that God has so much stuff for us to do that is so flippin' awesome that when I get distracted, I mean, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He doesn't know everything. So what better thing than to get us just fighting each other he can get about his day, get about his business. Now, keeping in mind, as a body, we're actually, I think, we're pretty blessed. You know, I, I don't get nearly as many emails as I used to. <laughs> Probably because they all left, <laughs> but be that as it may. But even together, there's not a lot of quarreling among us. But as we begin to step into this next phase, of asking ourselves to work together to do amazing things for his kingdom, you're gonna have opportunities to be offended, to feel left out, to feel like, well, my idea didn't get heard. I didn't, I thought I was gonna be in that group. I thought, an opportunity to say, no, 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 I don't wanna let the quarreling begin to destroy the temple. Because if we do, if, if I tell you what, if we do this right, the story of 146 kids eating for an entire year every day is nothing compared to what God wants to do. Amen. Nothing. Because in the middle of all of this is the purpose for church in general. The reason for why we're gonna to come together as living stones, hewn out of Golgotha, carried to the eternal temple that someday we'll all be a part of. That on that journey from Golgotha to heaven, we're gonna be side by side and we can do some incredible things for the kingdom. The story was told, Jesus actually alluded to it even. In Matthew 21, he said to the disciples that had gathered around him, have you not read the scriptures to the Jewish people? Do you not read the scriptures that the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone? He was alluding to something that David alluded to in Psalm 118. I think it's verse 19. I'm kind of off-roading right now, so you'll have to forgive me. 
when David refers to the stone that the builder rejected, see the Talmud tells a story and then the tales of the Jewish history talks about a cornerstone, a stone that was built, brought in. They didn't, it wasn't like Ikea temple, do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't directions. And so they bring this one giant magnificent stone, but it didn't fit anywhere. And the story goes that they put the stone aside. Nobody knew what to do with it. We knew that it didn't fit because we're, everything else fits perfect. So they put it down the hill in what's today known as the Kidron Valley. And as the temple was coming to completion years and years and years later, there was a hole left for the cornerstone, for the capstone. Is it the cornerstone or is it the capstone? I'll talk to you about that in a minute. Because Jesus has referred to both. There was no stone left, there wasn't anything cut, and they were confused, and how is it possible? We got everything else so right, and we're this giant hole. And someone remembered, wait a minute, what about that stone from years ago? Look down over the Kidron Valley, it's covered in vegetation and weeds and forgotten about. And that stone that the builders rejected came and put in place, it fit perfectly decades later. And what was the stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone of the entire temple. And Jesus says, have you not read? Have you not, did you not read your scriptures? I'm that. I'm the cornerstone. And I bring that to you this morning as this, we can't forget Jesus. We're not doing this. We're not going and feeding kids in Haiti even just because we want to be nice guys and girls. We're doing it because that's what we were created. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that you're created the craftsmanship of the Lord, the quarrying, the hammering, the chiseling away to do good things, to do awesome things. But without Jesus in it, there's a ginormous hole in our church. We have to bring Jesus into the middle of this as the temple, as the cornerstone, as the thing that holds it all together. And when he is there, our structure is secure and sound. The quarry is doing the work. The quarreling is put aside. And we can do some amazing things. I mean, if we're going to get together in small groups, we could sit around and congratulate each other on eternity. Nice work. Going to heaven. Or we could say, man, there's some, there's some big holes in this world. There's some things that, that aren't right. And I can go and proclaim the kingdom of God, not with my little chick track and the scary thing that leaving the toilet paper rolls. Remember those? You ever get one of those? That'll startle you coming out of the toilet paper roll in a truck stop, by the way, when the chick track falls out. Maybe you haven't traveled much, but... Somebody, sure as I'm saying that, somebody here got saved in a truck stop with a chick track. So God can use all kinds of things. I'm just saying. We have an opportunity as the kingdom of God to get together and to say to a little girl or a little boy in Haiti, that's not how God meant it to be. He didn't mean for you to be hungry. There was no hunger in Eden. There's no hunger in heaven. There's no hunger in the kingdom of God. And we can say to the kingdom of darkness, not on my watch, and proclaim the kingdom that way. In a, our own community, we can gather around a single mom and say, I know that wasn't the way you thought it was gonna be, but that's not the kingdom of God either. How can we love on you? We can go, our, little, our children right now, spurred on by little Sarah Fuquay, 12 years old, right? Said, I wanna do something for 
homeless people in our community. And so she emailed Jim, the leader, and said, what can we do? I'd like to do this. And, and before you know it, our, our little boys and girls in the youth group are gathering coins, and they're going to go to Place of Hope and the ministry that they do with Dolores and Friday night with the homeless ministry because a small group of people got together and said, I'm going to do something about that problem. We do it intuitively as a church. In a weird way, all we're saying is we're just going to formalize what we're doing intuitively, not to put a system around it so that all of a sudden it's a new religion, or not, but to say, hey, there are some people that are, their needs are being overlooked, and there are some people whose talents are not being utilized. If we put a little system together, my body works as a system. It knows what to do. This week I did something a little dumb. I got barbed wire. I was so, I was, okay, so a couple of the newbies from Haiti had never been really, you know, to a place they thought it was kind of scary. And uh, they, went with, uh, they went with David down by the river. And, and I went down just to make sure everything was going okay. And, you know, David's a seasoned traveler. I'm not worried about him at all. But as I'm rounding a corner, there's like this banana tree grove. And I see little white legs on the other side. And I thought, I can't. I just can't pass this up. I'll never forgive myself. And so I wandered into the banana trees. And as they're walking by, I'm like, you boys lost. <laughs> and um, you know how cats jump when it's like, like that was what uh, one of the young men did. It was like startled him a lot. In the process, though, I tripped over rusty barbed wire and just tore the, the, the stuff out of my leg. And um, it hurt a lot. I'm going to tell you this right now, every, worth, every, worth every blood. I just dropped the blood I spilled. It was, so, it was so awesome. But my body knew what to do. It started scabbing immediately. It started healing up. It needed to close off. And so I'm saying that our body has a system in place. We're just saying this is how it works. As a body, that's how it works. We're just looking back and saying, this is what we've already been doing. How can we do it better? How can we make sure that more people's needs are met? How can we make sure that your gift is not overlooked? We're in a room full of all kinds of gifts, all kinds of living stones that when we work together, we create a habitation. And just like the temple in Solomon's day, with all the imagery of Eden inside of it, it was a reminder of what once was with the pictures of the menorah, which spoke of the tree of life. God told them to build it toward a, is a very, very specific model because it also spoke of what was in heaven right now and in the future. It was a mirror of that, Hebrews tells us. And we, Jesus said this, the greater miracle than rebuilding that temple is I'm gonna build a temple out of you. Tens of millions, billions of Christians around the world coming together as living stones. What? There's no miracle that great ever in history. When Jesus said, greater the things that I've done, greater things will you do, in his day you had to stand in line to get to Jesus. You had to break through a roof. You had to, but he said, I got millions of you now, hundreds of millions and billions of you around the world. Nobody's got to wait in line anymore because the temple of the Holy Spirit is you and you working together, you're bringing heaven to earth. Now on the macro level, the, the challenge of our church is that we spend a lot of time on the macro. $361,000 that went into building the kingdom of God around the world from this, from these stupid little plastic chairs. Kids don't say that word if you're here. I got an email, now. another little girl said, you said the S word. So I was like, oh no, what a, stupid. So, or no, I said shut up, I think is what I said. Yeah, yeah, don't say that, don't say that either. We, we, we need to get the PG-13, don't we, outside the building? We, anyway, 
What about the micro level? What about right here? Because it's one life at a time, one problem at a time, one group. This is what our church was born out of, was we saw this little need in Haiti, and we thought, well, somebody's got to do something. I don't know what to do, but I just know nothing isn't the answer. So when we come together as groups, and it's been so beautiful, it's already happening in the small groups. I'm hearing back, sitting down as groups that already existed, saying, hey, what are we going to do? What are you passionate about? What are we going to do? Praying about, we're going to help the Juilliards as they're on this journey to Guatemala. We leave tomorrow. It's a House Hunters International starting tomorrow in Guatemala City with us. But their small group is gonna gather around and figure out how can we be their logistic center? What can we do? What gift do I bring to the table that they're not alone when they move and when they go? When there's a hospice in Nepal with men and women who can, as they're stepping into the next part of life, could they do it with dignity? They could if this hospice is up and running. In this room are passions and things that you're inspired and excited about. What if the Lord wants to say, okay, we'll get a little group around this and we'll figure this one out. What if we could solve more problems than we create as a church? What about that? Wouldn't that be awesome? And I'm just saying, I am more excited, I think, than maybe the day that we started this thing because I feel like the Lord just said, you don't have to create something new. I'm just showing you what you're already doing. And you as living stones coming together with Jesus as our cornerstone. Whether he's the foundation or the top, the capstone that holds it all together, he is everything, he is all in all. With him in the middle of what we're doing, we get to do amazing things right here in our own backyard. Dolores works at a place of hope. My mom, mother-in-law, Bonnie, is worked there over the years, working with men and women who are fighting addiction and watched it rip their families away. And it, this little thing called Place of Hope and Cortland's group for this next six weeks, they're going to go in and help build out part of that that can make it a more effective use, that more people could get help, that they're, you know, we shorten the waiting list in six weeks. And everybody's going to, I promise you, we're going to get around a table and we're going to like, oh, you could do this. Somebody knows somebody here. Somebody works there, we can do. There's all these giftings and things and connections and things that God has inside of us. All I'm saying is let's just get together and do something with it. And how awesome could that be to bring hope and to bring love and that they might know us by our love. And I guess what I wanted to maybe not necessarily warn us but as much as admonish us and make us aware that, hey, as we're getting together, there's gonna be opportunities for us to let some quarreling unfold and for us to grab a pickaxe that God never meant us to take. I caution you against it. Challenge you. And if it happens in your group and someone's kind of coming down on you, just don't swing back. Just let the Lord, I'm going to have faith in this one. We'll work this out as a group. We'll figure out some stuff here. And hey, in six weeks, if you don't like it, there'll be another group. Today we're gonna to do the first of this round, and if you didn't, you're not a part of this group already, it's either A, because we really, I didn't know you, B, because you were already part of a, an existing group. But those of you that have reached out and said, I really long to be connected. We're gonna start three of these groups. Why are we starting with three? Because we don't know what we're doing. 
and I'd rather <laughs> practice with three of these and have some successes than have 10 of them unfold and we got a runaway train going, oh, that really would. And then in six weeks, we're gonna get together on our seventh week and we're gonna celebrate and party about what God did and enjoy ourselves and enjoy him. Maybe take a couple weeks off and then we'll do it again. So if you're not a part of this first inaugural group, maybe you should be grateful because you're not, you're not the guinea pig. Uh, for those of you that, you know, that are, uh, congratulations. So <laughs> guinea pig's a job too, if someone's gotta do it. But my, by this time next year, my prayer is that we have groups coming together, functioning and working and solving big problems together as a body of Christ. Just like in the days of Acts chapter two, they got together for prayer, for fellowship, for teaching, for the breaking of bread, you know, together, but they didn't just sit there like cats. Verse 43 through 48, and then they gave to those who had need and they were loving on each other and they solved this problem and people were getting healed and then in verse 48, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. The book of Acts is not spelled A-X-E. <laughs> Acts, it's, an, it's action, we get to do something. We start it today. 11.15, we're gonna be winding down in here and, and we do have to get everything to the trailer. And for this first week, we're gonna gather right here. We, if you see the crock pots, that's for those of you that have already been contacted, you know you're part of the group. If, if you hadn't been contacted, you know you're free to, grow, free to go. And, and if you think, oh man, that really hurts my feelings, I refer back to 1 Corinthians 3. <laughs> it's your first opportunity not to swing at me. <laughs> and to know that your time is coming. And if anything, I'm excited that you wanna be. If you, if you wanna be involved so bad that you're offended, that's awesome. Because we need people that are that passionate. I just need some people to be patient as we unfold and figure it out. I think David Holderman said it first. In a way, you're just sort of launching into ambiguity. Yep. <laughs> we just know that there are gifts and that there are problems. And somehow together that God brought us together to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we can do something grand and great. And it doesn't have to be in Haiti. It doesn't have to be in Guatemala. It can be in Thompson Station and Spring Hill and Columbia and Murfreesboro, Nashville, Franklin. It can be whatever the Lord is leading right here in your own groups. I would appreciate your prayers in these coming days and weeks. Praying for each other, praying for us. I said we leave tomorrow at whatever, oh, dark 30 for Guatemala for a week. I'll be back by next Sunday. I don't know if I should be. Have you noticed that attendance goes down when I'm here and then it goes up when I'm gone? I don't know what that's all about. But prayers for us as a body to be finding and hearing and being and doing together and that again, what better thing could we be doing as far as us together coming together and being a picture of heaven on earth. So today, would love to be up and running by 11.45, so that means I'm gonna need some help. If you guys worship, wanna come back, we need some help. If, and where's Joe? Joe, right there. And Rob's right here. If you've, if you've never been a part of Teardown before and you, need to, you wanna help today, especially if you're gonna, be, you're gonna wait for soup anyway, might as well help. Um, you could see one of these two guys and they can actually 
tell you, hey, here's what's got to go to the trailer and here's how it's going to get to the trailer. But we're just going to take that hour between 11.45 and 12.45 for this first inaugural group and we're going to pray together and we're going to talk about what God has us to do. And I believe we're launching into ambiguity. But isn't that just like skydiving? <laughs> I know how it's going to end, at least I hope how it ends. We're jumping out of a plane today as a body. We're going to connect together and we're going to see some amazing and some beautiful things, I believe. Father, would you, uh, would you move in our hearts and speak to us and, and show me even today, Lord, where are the things where I've been quarreling and that I've been deciding it's my job to be Holy Ghost Junior? Where, to, to show me those areas where I can repent of it and to just let the quarry do its job And instead of quarreling, I can just throw it back to you in, in faith. Can you show me those areas today, Lord? And today, as we step forward into this as a body, my prayer is that the groups that are already meeting together, that you would absolutely instill the Spirit in them and lead and guide them. And for those that will be new groups today, Lord, that you would do the same. And for those, Lord, who are excited and not on the first run to just give them the patience. And Lord, maybe in these six weeks, you're going to show them exactly what they're supposed to do so that in the next round, that they, they lead a group maybe, Lord. I don't know. I just know that you can bring patience and you can weave together all the cracks and crevices that I, I can't get my mind wrapped around. I pray that you do that for us today and that your Holy Spirit will ultimately be glorified and that we are not a social justice group, but we're going to keep you the middle of it, that we are Jesus groups proclaiming the kingdom, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. As we sing this last song, I just challenge you to really embrace the words of this. Pay attention.